This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. So now Posey ranges There are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Hello there. Welcome back to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lubman here, as always, with Joe Shasky. This is episode 63 of the podcast. Shasky, 63. Do you remember where Barry Bonds hit his 63rd home run of the 2001 season? No. It was actually at Coors Field, of all places. It was part of a three-home run day on September 9th of that year. Giants win 9-4 in extra innings. They scored five runs in the top of the 11th. That is when Bonds hit his third home run of the day. That was off of Todd Bellitz. I guarantee no one knows a single Todd Bellitz <laughs> back outside of the outside of that home run there. But yeah, it was part of a, a three for five day that Barry had that day with five RBIs and a walk because you know, of course, he's going to have a walk. Uh, I was looking at Bonds' 2001 season because a that's just always a fun season to look at, and then b I was looking at you know how many home runs did he hit at Coors Field that year. Shasky, that was the Giants' final game at Coors Field that year. In the previous eight games, he had only one home run. Wow. I know. You think of all the places where he would hit a lot of home runs, it would be Coors Field. But, uh, yeah, in 348 plate appearances in his career at Coors Field, Bonds only hit 26 home runs, which, again, you'd think it would be more. Um, but, anyway, yeah, so that was Barry Bonds' 63rd home run. Very interesting. Very yeah. interesting. Very well, yeah, because you know, the, the, the ballpark he hit the most home runs at outside of San Diego parks. Yes, Qualcomm Stadium. He he really victimized the Padres over his career. Um, really Qualcomm, quick before, yeah. Before it's Jack Murphy up, Stadium, to me. Jack Murphy Qualcomm. That was back when all these concrete structures had so many different names. Yeah. Um, before we move off Bonds, uh, you want to take a guess as to what stadium he drew the most walks in outside of his own home? Dodger Stadium. There it is. Exactly, Dodger Stadium. 128 walks. The Dodgers <laughs> really were uh, afraid of Barry Bonds uh, back in the day. 
You know who's really afraid of the Giants right now, though, is the National League West, which kind of a wild thing to say, but the Giants are 11-2 against the National League West this year, this month in, in May after taking two of three against the Diamondbacks, three of four against the Padres, they swept the Dodgers, and then, of course, they swept the Rockies in Coors Field. And it really starts to feel like, Shasky, that we look around the National League West, it's official. The Giants are a, they're big players in this division right now. Yeah, it's been impressive. I mean, obviously, they've had injuries galore. So you can't say, oh, they're healthy and other teams aren't. No, no, no. I think the exact opposite has happened is the Giants have been injured across the board. They have very few reliable starting pitching options outside of Logan Webb. And it feels like with duct tape, smoke and mirrors, the mm-hmm. bullpen has gotten things done and you haven't really noticed the lack of of no starters. And, um, you know, I just love where they're at right now. They scored in the 12-1, you know, they were 12-1 and over a certain period there before the loss yesterday. They scored 92 runs and given up only 54. And that's pretty impressive. And it also coincides with what I believe to be one of their catalysts in Tyro Estrada, one of his, you know, biggest slumps of the year, batted about 130 this last week, you know, hasn't been great over 200, you know, just barely over 200 for the last 30 days. And here you look up and it feels like the giants are red hot. So, it's not like they're hitting on all cylinders. I mean, yes, there are a lot of great stories, but they've overcome some key guys not being that great, which to me makes it even more impressive. Yeah, I think, you know, you look at just kind of what's been the driver of their success. You got a point, you know, it's it's not just Estrada. It's, you, it's, it's got guys all up and down the lineup. You know, I think Blake Sable said it the other night. It's like there's, there's a different hero almost every night. And yeah. if that sounds familiar, it's because – that's basically what we were experiencing a couple of years ago in 2021, where you look up and down the lineup, nothing really jumps out at you. It's like, oh, that's the reason why they're playing so well, but they're still winning ball games because, again, there was a guy always stepping up every night, finding a way to help get this team across the finish line. You talk about Tyro Estrada, you know, he's been kind of slumping and injured. You know, Lamont Wade Jr., he's also been banged up a little bit. Guys all up and down this lineup are banged up right now, and yet they're still finding ways to get not just series wins, but really important series wins against their division rivals. And you got to think, you know, you think back to when the when the Giants first faced these divisional opponents, not the Rockies, but the Dodgers didn't go well. They took Dodgers took two or three and the Dodgers looked leap and leaps and bounds better than the Giants uh, in Mexico City. And, you know, Padres teed off on the Giants that we uh, that weekend. Obviously, that Saturday game was a lot of fun. But again, Padres looked like a class above and just a more fun team. And then the Diamondbacks, when they went to Chase Field, they took three of four. And you're thinking, wow, how do we catch? We're behind the Diamondbacks now? I know. Um, so now that then in this last week, taking those three series back, how that's got to make you feel pretty good if you're a Giants fan. Just the fact that, you know, the, 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 the divisional opponents tag the Giants first. And then here the Giants kind of tag them back here this month. You know what I mean? Well, Look, I mean, let's just call it what it is. Heading into this year, I thought the Giants were at best, at best, the third best team in the division. Having seen all these teams in a month. Now, I do believe the Dodgers aren't going away, but they've lost a lot of talent, a lot of talent. Their starting pitching leaves a lot to be desired, a lot. When you lose Walker Bueller, when you lose guys up the middle defensively and Trey Turner, I look at the Padres, they look broken. They've got unbelievable individual players, especially offensively. But they look broken, like spiritually. They they really do. They don't really have mm-hmm. a spirit leader. Watching Manny Machado run the bases recklessly three different mm-hmm. times. 
It's like, what are you doing? And then you look at their starting rotation. Snell, Musgrove's never really looked good this year at any point. You Darvish, moments, but kind of leaves a lot to be desired. I think the Giants are the cream of the crop when it comes to bullpen in the NL West. Now, Mm -hmm. I still think the Diamondbacks are the cream of the crop overall, but the Giants are well ahead of schedule. And then the rookies, you know, Patrick Bailey, I think he's a top three rookie of the year candidate. I really do. Uh, I know Ellie in uh, Cincinnati is going to get a lot of buzz here in the last couple of months of the year. Let's see where the Reds are at. If Patrick Bailey can be a 300 catching hitter for the Giants and they're in contention and can get that wild card, how is this guy going to fall out of the NL Rookie of the Year race? Yeah, he's definitely going to be up there. I mean, it's crazy. You know, a month ago, it seemed like it was Corbin Carroll's award. Not even to lose. It was was Corbin Carroll's award. Well, I think he's going to win MVP, no doubt about it. Absolutely. He's going to be in, he's going to definitely be in the, the, the rookie of the year running. Ellie De La Cruz has absolutely lit up Cincinnati. He has completely changed not just that team, he's changed that whole division. Yep. I mean, no one was giving the Reds any time of day until he came along. It's going to be tough for Patrick Bailey, I think, to crack into those two. But yeah, hitting like he has, but it's not just that. It's, it's the way he's throwing guys out. He's throwing out a third of base yeah. runners. And this weekend, we kind of got a taste of what we might be seeing for the next 10 years Patrick Bailey versus Corbin Carroll. That's going to be a fun battle to watch on the Bates Pass This as, as their careers kind of progress. Um, kind of take a look, though, at just kind of the overall body of work that the Giants have been doing of late, Shasky. Since May 1st, they're the best team in baseball, 33-18 and 18 after that loss yesterday. But get this, a plus 57 run differential in that time. Shasky, they're playing at a 102-win pace since May 1st. Now, I think it's one thing to have a hot stretch in baseball. It kind of gets you back into the swing of things like what the Reds are doing right now. That feels like a hot stretch. Maybe they cool off a little bit for the Giants. though, you're going on almost now two months of consistently playing at this high level, playing as well as they have at this point. I don't think you can call it a hot stretch anymore. Is this just maybe who they are? I'm not saying they're a 102 win team overall. They're on a 91 win pace for the whole season, but is this just who they are? Are they a team that, really should be looked at as as one of the elite teams in the National League. I, I think they're in the mix. I think there's one elite team, the Atlanta Braves. And I think the Diamondbacks, the Giants, the Marlins, uh, Cincinnati, they're all, I call them suspects yeah. for the time being. Not the Dodgers. The Dodgers are in the mix. <laughs> they're not contenders. I'm sorry. The Dodgers are not contenders. Not with that bullpen and not missing their ace in Walker Bueller for the entire year. And with zero... Uh, solidified closer. Like, I'm sorry. They're just not to me. They're not, they're a pretender. Um, and their record may indicate otherwise. I, I think the reds, the giants, the Marlins, all these teams are in the mix. That's the way I would describe it in the mix, at least for the foreseeable future. Now, look, the pirates were in the mix three weeks ago. Pirates have lost what 12 or 13 or whatever it is uh, over the last three weeks. So it hasn't been good. That can happen to the Giants, especially if they don't get a number two starter. They need another guy in this starting rotation. Let's see what happens with the Lamont Wade injury with the back. If that's sustainable, I'm worried about what they do at third base and first base. J.D. Davis moving over to first base to open up time for somebody else at third. How sustainable is that? You know what I mean? Like J.D. Davis was really good defensively. Would you give Schmidt another opportunity to play every day at third base? I don't know. Like I have a lot of TBD and let's not forget like Bailey, Matos, Schmidt. They've looked good. Any one of them could turn back into a pumpkin. 
Yeah. And I think what's when it comes to sustainability, you look at kind of how they're winning these games of late, especially this month with all the comebacks they've had. Yes. You know, like we mentioned, it always seems like it's a different guy every night. But how again, I don't know how sustainable those comebacks are. In 2021, it seems so easy, but again, it's I feel like it's it's unfair Sam, they to really won. make it's I, I think it's unfair in, to make those kind of kind of comparisons. I'm sorry, yeah, you go. No, no, no. It's just like of the 10 wins in a row, when they won 10 in a row, which was unbelievable, five of them, they came back in the seventh inning or later. That's yeah. That cannot be the blueprint it's, for it's success. It's super fun. It, yeah, it's it's fun to talk about. It's fun to get excited about. But and even, again, even in yesterday's game against the Diamondbacks, you know, in that eighth inning, they kind of had a chance to put something together. They were going to have the bases loaded with two outs. And, of course, exactly. you know, Sable has his base running gaff. So, I mean, that's you know, You think these comebacks are always going to keep happening, but it's it's something that's, you know, simple, that goofy, that can, you know, derail a comeback. And as I was kind of saying, like, when when you're playing as well as the Giants are, you can kind of shake off a loss like yesterday, a mistake like that, and be like, you know what? That's a learning experience for Blake Sable. You know what? That's a mm-hmm. tough loss. Dimebacks, Dimebacks have not been swept this year in a series yet this uh, this season. Uh, so that just shows wow. how tough it is to put that team away. The the Rays and the Orioles, only only other teams that can say they have not been swept yet this year. So that's the thing. You know, it's there are a lot. I do think a lot of it with this recent hot stretch is yeah, it might just be who they are. Um, they're not a 100 win team. I, that's not what I'm saying, but coming into this year, you're probably looking at 84, 85 wins. It's like, yeah, that's a good season right now. No, the way they're great playing, season. That'd be a great season right now though. If, if they're on pace for 91 wins, you know what? I'm down for a 90 win season. Hopefully they can make it happen. And yeah, they're going to have to make moves to make that happen. Uh, I think if they can just keep the pitching staff afloat until Alex, Alex Cobb comes back, they'll be able to get a better sense of just how much they need to upgrade the rotation. But yeah, I think at this point, you know, it's very much looking more and more every day. Like the struggles they had in April are the anomaly. And what we've been seeing over the last two months, that's more in line with who these giants are. It does say. feel like just the young guys have changed the ethos of the team. You're there all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sam, what was it like before all the youngsters came in into that clubhouse? And then what's it been like since? Well, I mean, it's it's not just April of this year, but but all of last year, it was just kind of a, a, a drab place. It just especially after losses, it was a lot very quiet. There was just finding joy in that clubhouse last year. I mean, it was there. And guys, you know, you, you find ways to, to make do mm-hmm. during a rough season. But the term, you know, grind is, I think, very appropriate last year. This year, though, Gabe Kapler kind of spoke of a word that Jock came up with called grindy. You know, this is a very grindy team and how they grind out of bats, how the pitchers will grind through innings and kind of grind the other team down. And I think the rookies are kind of playing into that where the rookies, they're grinding too. And the, the grind of a season can be tough, but when you're kind of a, a grindy team, when you're a team that's having fun and grinding out wins, it's a lot more fun to do that. And you are seeing it in the clubhouse. Guys are in a lot better mood before games. After games, one one thing they do is obviously when they win, they like to do the little nightclub thing. Uh, but you know, after games, one thing I noticed they started doing is they're playing a lot of Bob Marley after losses. And that's in contrast to earlier in the year and last year, we walked into that clubhouse. It was very quiet. And this is something I want to, I want to try and talk about with someone next time I'm there is, you know, whose idea was this to, to play a little Bob Marley? Because you go in there after a loss and you know, you got, you know, three little birds playing, you know, don't worry about a thing. It's like, you know what? Yeah, they lost, <laughs> but it feels like the loss doesn't stick on you as much you. as, as it maybe did. And I think that's part of 
you know, I don't know, maybe it was a rookie who suggested that. I know Brandon Crawford's kind of the music guy in that clubhouse, but it's not just it. I guess not just the rookies. There's so many other things that are going into just really rejuvenating the atmosphere in this clubhouse. And again, that when you have a loose, fun atmosphere, when guys are having fun coming to work, having fun playing this game, you start to see it translate on the field. I think that's what you've been seeing in the last couple of months there. Yeah, I'm just I'm really excited with where the team's at and where the organization's at. And I know everyone wants to make the playoffs, try to win a World Series because that's the ultimate prize. But this has just been such a lovable season for me. There's so many lovable stories. And I feel like the the brand of baseball that so many of us grew up on, small ball, being able to run the bases, playing good defense, getting contributions from the bullpen, like those things are tried and true. And it's great to see something from yesteryear translate to today's game. So the shift and the pitch clock and all these things, it's really played into their hand. Like it really has. And, and I was really reluctant to – to embrace um, just the organizational philosophy and seeing them adapt on the fly makes me realize they're not super stubborn. And that to me is one of the few things that I didn't have on my bingo card for success this year. Yeah, no, that is a good point. The giants are very good. There's an adaptability at work. I think here that you're seeing you are listening to the garlic fries and baseball guys podcast, Sam Lubin and Joe Shassi. We come at you every week with the best giants content that you need to hear, like review, rate, subscribe, share, Pass this podcast around. Get the word out because this is a great time to be talking Giants baseball. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now, Shasky, you talk about kind of the organizational philosophy and kind of their ability to adapt, the decision-making they make, the decision-making that the team gets into and decisions they make. All of that comes from Farhan Zaidi. It seems like lost in this season, you know, the guys who really aren't getting a whole lot of due for this season is on the one hand, there's Gabe Kapler, who is really for, for all the, the the dragging through the mud he got last year when the team was struggling. He's not gotten his flowers enough mm. this, this year, um, but we can kind of get to that another day because I really want to get into Farhan right now and where we feel about him because the next month, the next 38 plus days, all eyes are going to be on him again because he's going to have to make some moves to upgrade this roster and ask people a month and a half ago, where your faith with Farhan was, you're probably not getting a lot of good answers. No. 
but it's incredible how fast things change with this team. Does Farhan kind of deserve more of a benefit of the doubt than we were wanting to give him even just a month ago? Of course he does. Of course he does. And I've been one of his biggest critics. Um, But at the same time, if you wanted to play devil's advocate, you could say, well, hey, Luis Matos was a Bobby Evans guy. Now you get credit for developing him within your Mm -hmm. quote unquote system. But, you know, the Patrick Bailey is the big one for me. Lamont Wade is the big one for me. J.D. Davis are big ones for me. Logan Webb was a prior carryover guy. Doval was a carryover guy. But you get credit for developing once you have them in your system. You know, there's this big thing like when you take over, you got to change everything. Don't you get just as much credit if you develop someone else's guys as opposed to identifying and developing your guys? To me, you do. Like, mm-hmm. I think you absolutely get credit for that as well. Maybe not as much credit, but you definitely get credit. They feel really good right now. But let's not forget, like, the offseason was a kind of a nightmare. He, he yeah. wanted to give Correa a 15-year deal. He wanted to give Judge a 12 to 15-year uh, deal. And, you know, sometimes the best deals are the ones that fall apart. But let's not pretend like the Sean Manaya, Ross Stripling, De Sclafani signings have been – you know, butterflies and rainbows because they haven't yeah. been. Yeah, I know. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up the offseason. Mitch Hanniger. But that's kind of where I wanted to go next, though, with the offseason. Yeah, the signings that he's made this past offseason weren't that great. Uh, yeah, obviously Hanniger is banged up, but you got two more years there. They're going to try and work things out there. Maybe he comes back in these next two years and we're all forgetting about it. Manaya, again, he was kind of roughed up a little bit. Uh, what was it on Saturday? Saturday. But for the most part, he's been great out of the bullpen. That's not why you pay him, though. Stripling has <laughs> been a, a lost cause. They got one cause. more year with him. Stripling's kind of been of a lost cause. Taylor Rogers has been great. Michael Conforto yes. has been great. But Rogers has at, been great. I look at more at the deals that he did not make this offseason as reason why I think maybe there is a better, a, a more of a reason to give okay. Farhan the benefit of the doubt. Look at Carlos Rodon. Everybody wanted Carlos Rodon to come back this season. And you can kind of tell during the end of last year that it was kind of obvious he wasn't going to come back. I always remember, you know, that uh, last game against the Diamondbacks last year, the last home game. I remember Ron Wotus and uh, Rodon kind of shaking hands and be like, hey, man, it was great having you around this year. And I was like, oh, he gone. And again, everyone wanted him back. Shasky, he's thrown the same amount of pitches this year for the Yankees that you and I have. Uh, You talk about the Carlos Correa. We all hated how it went down and scuttling it over the medicals. I I kind of thought that that six years, $200 million was still something that the Giants could do. Carlos Correa's foot is in very bad shape right now. And what was it that scuttled the deal? Issues with his foot. And then you got Aaron Judge where, again, I'm not saying, oh, Judge is injured. They dodged that bullet because that was a freak injury when he ran into the fence at Dodger Stadium. You know, if. He does, if he does sign with the Giants, he's probably healthy and playing just fine right now. So that's, that's more on him than on the Giants. But I look at Aaron Judge, that's a big guy. And when it came to, you know, who do you want in the offseason, my first choice was always Trey Turner because I felt that just there's a more rounded overall game that's going to age better into his 30s. You know, and, and Judge, 31, going to get deep into his 30s. Shasky, you, you have experience in your 30s. Does the body get healthier as you age more into your <laughs> no. 30s? But, 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 I mean, come on. Aaron Judge got hurt running into a wall and tore his, you know, oh, no, his, I, I'm not toe. saying that that was like an injury that you should be like, oh, good, we dodged that bull. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, like, he would look right great in this, in this lineup right now as a number four hitter. 
I think I, they'd I, be five games better than what they're at right now. Oh, absolutely. I think it'd be great this year. And again, yeah, I, I okay, maybe five it. years from now, it looks terrible. Yeah, I hate going down this road because I hate the, oh, they're going to regret that well, contract. Wait, let me play years. this card. Let me play this card. So mm-hmm. you talk about Rodon. But what about Kevin Gosman? He goes 12 and 10 last year with a 3.35 ERA, was better than those numbers on a team that was fairly disappointing. He was a bright spot as a big free agent signing. This year he's 7 and 3 with a 3.1 ERA. He's logged a ton of innings, 175 last year, on pace for about the same again this year. Like wouldn't Kevin Gosman look pretty damn good in this rotation right now? Oh, absolutely. And I think this is where it kind of gets into, you know, you're you're gonna have misses. Yeah, you know, every now I and then. Agree. You know they've they've had misses with guys they've signed, and they've had misses with guys they let go. You know, but basically, or guys they did not sign. But basically, the way I see it is, you know, Rodon. I think they dodged a bullet there. Correa. I think they dodged a bullet there. Judge. I think we might look back on it as saying, yeah, that probably was a good move. To the fact that they fell short might have been a blessing in disguise because I can absolutely see that body of his breaking down as he gets deeper and deeper into his thirties and. You know, he's going to be hearing it from those New York fans. And I think the Giants yes. escaped that one there. Another one who, guy who we don't really talk about that when he got away from the Giants and didn't bring him back was Donovan Solano. Remember how crazy we were going for Donnie Barrels a couple years ago? What's he doing now? I Nothing. I think he was on the Reds last I checked, but like no one really made a big stink about him leaving. But if you consider all the guys that Farhan has let walk and not brought back, if Kevin Gosman's the only one where it's just like, ah, oh, man, probably should have brought him back out of all the other guys. I'll take that ratio. Same thing when it comes to signing guys. You know, you look at some of the past guys he signed, you know, Jake McGee had his run in 2021. Uh, He signed Jock as a free agent. Jock's been pretty useful. Alex Cobb's doing well this year. Jacob Junis, I think, has brought in a lot more value than I I think a lot of people expected. Uh, Zach Littell had his moments before he had that one really bad moment. Uh, and you also have guys who have been a part of some good trades. Darren Ruff was a free Lundman. agent signing who they really get some value from. Yeah. Love it. Let me, let me cut you off. It's all about the young people that he was brought in to fix the farm. And you know what? Exactly. You know what? At the end of the day, because I've seen some of these guys sure as hell feels like he's fixed the farm. Now time will tell because it's going to not just be one dude, two dudes. It's a wave of guys that need to come through. And then mm-hmm. what do you do once you identify certain pillars who do you surrender to go get talent on other teams in areas that you don't develop as well? So like right now, they don't develop starting pitching as well as some of these other places. We will see with Harrison. We will see with Wisenhunt. Can you use some of the outfield depth that you've drafted now and cultivated in your system to go get yourself a frontline starter for the right now? It's not mm-hmm. just the assets that you can build up. It's what you do with said assets and how you discerningly trade away and keep which one of those assets. That will be very important for me. But I overall, agree. he's been better than he's been bad, at yes. least this year. And it's starting to bear fruit. Yeah, and I think we we get really wrapped up. And I feel like whenever he makes a move that doesn't go well, it's there's such an overreaction to it. It almost seems like anytime something doesn't go right, people want him to get fired. But all great GMs or president of baseball operations, whatever you want to title it, there's going to be mistakes. Brian Sabian had his fair share of free agent whiffs. He had his fair share of mistakes. I mean, the, the A.J. Perzinski trade was one that for years I wanted him fired for just for that one move alone. <laughs> We're watching Armando Benitez vomit on himself night after night. Meanwhile, Joe Nathan is becoming one of the best closers in baseball. And 
But you know what? Mistakes happen. Guy, they they miss. There's misses. For it sure. happens. You're not going to bat a thousand. It's, it's part of the long game. So yes. we are about a month out from the trade deadline. So it's probably a little early to get into this conversation right now. But maybe just a quick little primer on it. When it comes to going into the deadline, how much faith do you have in Farhan to make a move that will both make the Giants better, but at the same time won't make you be like, oh, you gave up a lot there? Well, and the reason I asked that question is because remember in 2021, we came up to the very last minute of the deadline thinking, is he going to do anything? Like, what's going to happen here? The Dodgers just got Scherzer and Turner. What are the Giants going to do? And then literally like a minute before the deadline, Chris Bryant's a giant for two prospects that I don't think that we're really missing as much as Giants fans. Well, that was a rental. Uh, I think they need somebody who they can carry over into next year into the rotation. So to me, I'm looking at guys that have team control. That's why I like Stroman. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I really like um, uh, what's his face? Uh, Rodriguez. Yeah, Rodriguez. You know, Bieber. You know, these guys that have Alito in there, too. Yeah. That's guys that awesome. have that extra year of team control. I would covet. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be really important, but I think they need to do something soon. They can't wait till the deadline. To me, I'd like to see them strike right now. Like, between now and the All-Star break, bring someone in right now. The one, I would like that too. I do think it would be great to get a jump on things right now before the market really heats up because, you know, we had Mark Gallucci on the the morning roast this morning. He brought up a good point. Everyone in the National League needs starting pitching right now. There's going to be a huge run. I do think that the faster they jump in on that market, the better. The one thing that would kind of give me pause is that Farhan's very much a guy who he is going to plant his feet on the ground, say, this is the deal I'm going for, and he will not budge until he gets that deal. It's how they got the Mark Melanson for uh, Tristan Beck trade. It's how he was able to land Chris Bryant for, uh, what was it? it was Canario and uh, Caleb Killian. You, he's going to wait. He's not afraid to wait other teams out. And I think when you consider that, that makes me a little less optimistic that a deal will be coming right away, only because there's just not as much urgency or out of maybe too much into it. Every year, these wild cards come down to one or two, three games. I mean, mm-hmm. that's really what it comes. It comes down to a series. And if you can get a guy one extra start early, two extra starts early, it does make a huge difference. Yeah. I do. That's why I think that we kind of, this is where you got to really kind of get into the benefit of the doubt in Farhan. We trust yeah, I agree with those that. here. I would like him to make a move a little bit sooner, but it's at this point where it's like, he's not going to make a deal that he does not like. That is one thing Farhan will not do in trades. He will not settle for anything less than what he wants. And that's where I think the trust really is going to have to come in for Giants fans is it could very well be that 2020, the, the, the 2021, the, the trade deadline this year comes around and we're panicking again. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? I think the key there is just let the man cook and we'll judge him afterwards. You are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lubman, Joe Shasky, like, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, brought to you by Odyssey Sports, too. I've been wanting to try and get that one in as well. I think that corporate would appreciate that if we gave a shout out to the to the big name there. So make sure you're uh, subscribed so that you don't miss any of this Giants content. Chasky, obviously, rookies have been a big story for uh, this team this year. Uh, I had a chance to chat with Tyler Rogers after the game on uh, Saturday, and I asked him just kind of, you know, in your own words, talk about kind of the effect that the rookies have had on the team this year, and this is what he had to say. Oh, it's so much fun. A major league debut in itself is special. 
and then when you get first home runs, first RBIs, little first hits, things like that, they're they're very special. And even when there's a lot of them happening, like we got, we make sure to make sure each one's special and each day is memorable for each guy. Basically, yeah, Rogers talked about just. The- we have all these debuts when you're able to celebrate it. It does kind of add to that levity and that fun in the clubhouse because you have something to be excited for. You saw the the, the video that the, the Giants posted on Saturday of Matos running into the clubhouse uh, after his Incredible. first home run and the celebration they're going to have there. And he talked about how he got the, the coldest shower of his life uh, afterwards in celebration. It was stuff like that makes it so much fun. So it's obvious the rookies are having an incredibly positive impact on the team this year. So I want to go by, you know, rat tat some of these rookies and let's just give them some grades, you know, so far this season, just kind of where they're at. So I want to start with Casey Schmidt, who, you know, we, you and I both have been very excited about Schmidt ever since he got called up. We were excited about him before the season had a great start, kind of sagging off a little bit so far. Uh, we haven't seen him in the lineup as much lately. I asked Gabe Kapler about that as well. Uh, we can get to that sound in a second. But Shasky, right now, you're grading Casey Schmidt. What would you give him so far on this season? I mean, he started off in A plus, and it's struggled a lot lately. I- I'm going to go B plus because he is up, making an impact defensively. He's been outstanding. He's batting higher than Brandon Crawford right now in terms of batting average. It's higher than the league average at all three positions: shortstop, second base, and third base. Yeah, it's been a bad couple of weeks for him, but I I think all in all, he's way farther along than any of us had hoped. And he's the one that we had the most optimism with early on. He settled down a a little bit, but there will be opportunities for him. I'm going to give him a B plus. I'm dead serious on that. I would think I would give him a B minus uh, again, just because I do think the slumping is kind of it's been unfortunate. The, the the lack of plate discipline at first was kind of concerning, but he's kind of building that up now. Uh, the reason I didn't want to go into the C category, Shasky, is I stumbled across this stat while uh, sifting through things on fan graphs last night. Since May 1st, again, May 1st, what a magical day for Giants fans. Uh, Casey Schmidt with runners in scoring position is hitting 421. That's sixth best in baseball in that time. Like the man is coming through when you need him the most. Now you would like to see him in the lineup a little bit more lately, but I asked Gabe Kapler about that before the game on Sunday. And this is what he had to say about that. So there's a couple of factors. Number one, we have a third baseman who is all-star caliber. Number one, most important factor. Casey's also a third baseman. We've got Brandon Crawford playing better baseball and leading our team in, in a lot of ways want to keep giving him that opportunity second baseman also all-star caliber so the number one reason why Casey's not playing regularly right now is because we have three other players in those positions performing well second playing time has always been will always be earned really good performance leads to taking a step back I've never been around a manager that doesn't want to keep pushing players who are performing well into the lineup so Casey will not come out of the lineup when he's performing really well and when he's struggling a little bit it's going to give other players opportunities beautiful thing about competition at the highest level here in the major leagues i think that's pretty fair don't you oh absolutely and it 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 does kind of shows that it's not all just casey i mean yeah you got three guys right now that infield who are absolutely killing it It, it's hard to not play jd davis it's hard to not play tyro estrada and yeah brandon crawford he's that clubhouse leader and he has absolutely been living up to that billing for the last few months so the last month or so. So I'm not super worried about Casey, but yeah, B plus B minus. That's where I think I'd put him there. Uh, this, this feels like a, a very easy one here. Patrick Bailey. It's been an A minus. 
Yeah. I mean, I could even say A, but I'm going to go A minus just to leave out some wiggle room for like MVP candidate uh, <laughs> for a rookie. I mean, this is what you look for when you draft somebody in the first round at the top, the top of the, the draft. You know, I mean, this is a guy who is really giving you what I thought Bart would give you. You know, mm-hmm. which kind of sucks. Um, the bat is way better than I anticipated. The glove's been excellent. He solidified this rotation in terms of the, a good presence defensively behind the dish, throwing guys out. I mean, you throw out Tatis, Mookie Betts. I mean, these are superstars. These aren't just good players. Superstars. Um, yeah. And the clutch factor has been there. I mean, this is a guy, to me, he's an 1980s throwback. You probably were way too young to watch someone like uh, a Gary Carter but I get shades of someone like that. Like this is an all around player. Huh? That's high praise too, to, for a, a Gary Carter comparison. So I mean, yeah. Gary Carter's the high end. I mean, this is a yeah. poor man's version. We're, we're a month into a guy's career. This doesn't mean he's going to be a 340 hitter for the regular <laughs> remainder of his life. But uh, but he can do a little bit of everything, right? And that's why I loved Gary Carter, because early on he could do a little bit of everything, and eventually he became more of a slugger as he aged. But uh, this kid looks special. I mean, yeah. I, I think to me – I think he's a rookie of the year candidate thus far. Absolutely. I agree with you too. And if, again, if it weren't for Corbin Carroll and Ellie De La Cruz, I think he'd be the hands down favorite. I mean, he's, you say Gary Carter, I'm going to throw a Buster Posey in there. He has hit the ground running with this pitching staff in a way that Buster Posey did when he first came up as a rookie. Uh, I remember we were talking to, to Bailey after the game on Friday night. And I asked him afterwards, you know, Logan Webb's really been feeling that change up lately. And basically it was just kind of him and Logan kind of realizing, hey, that's one of your best pitches. Let's throw that a little bit more. It's that that awareness, too. But it's also the way he's developed at the big league level. No one really thought much about him hitting from it was, I think, the right side. And yet he's been killing it from the right side. Yes. You know, he's he's putting up numbers from the right side that he never put up in the minor league. So the way he's adapted to the big league game so quickly in contrast to like Casey Schmidt, who it's kind of been more of a grind like that really makes me very excited for what Bailey can do going forward. And yeah, I that's it. That's the other kind of posy comparable where, again, I'm not comparing performance. I'm comparing the feeling that you get watching him is very similar that the spark that he has given this team. It's very similar. The The way he handles this very veteran laden pitching staff, it's very similar to what Buster Posey did when he first and, broke onto the scene. And, and, and Sam, I want to stop you. The reason why I say Gary Carter is because I think we've kind of like there. Johnny bench is the number one greatest catcher of all time, right? Mm-hmm. Buster Posey's the greatest uh, San Francisco giant. So I don't want to use a San Francisco giant, but like Gary Carter was like an 11 time all-star multiple gold gloves, silver slugger uh, was, was literally the excellence at the position in the, mid to late 80s and early 90s. And he's kind of the guy that gets forgotten because Yvonne Rodriguez and Mike Piazza types come in after him. And Johnny Bench obviously set the tone before him. Yogi Berra, the era before Johnny Bench. And so I don't know. Like, I get a lot of Gary Carter kind of vibes from this guy. You know, I just, I really do. I think he's an all-around stud. Gary was a power hitter, though, in an era where there weren't a lot of power hitters from behind the plate. But you look at Bailey's numbers – and they're plus plus across the board for his position. Yeah. Uh, moving on now uh, from one catcher to another or sort of catcher, Blake Sable. Now let's try and uh, remove recency bias here after the. <laughs> he's been the solid. He's he been, has. I, to me, he's been a C plus B minus. He's I been think, solid. Yeah, I, like, I like C plus too. I, it, it's just not working at catcher. I no. do feel like that when he's behind the plate, the the starters, there seems to be something missing a little bit. It just it doesn't seem as crisp for when uh, Bailey's behind the plate. In left field, I think he's been capable. Yeah, he's uh, fine. This is a team, this is a team that clutch. wants to 
this is a team that once rode Travis Ishikawa's defense in left yes. field to a championship. So it's it's not oh. end all be all, but like I don't find myself like you know, hands on my heads. Oh no, Blake Sable in left field. Like I don't find myself doing that. I'm not looking at him being like, oh, there's our next gold glove left fielder either. I feel like over eventually he's gonna have to be a DH type. Uh, right now until they find a more consistent position for him. Maybe he could be a first baseman because anybody can, I guess, be a first baseman these days. But yeah, I think C-plus is probably a, a good one for Blake Sable there. Uh, moving on, Ryan Walker. This is the guy who, very quiet guy. I don't know how much people really know about him. I've been very high on him ever since he got to this to the team, and not just because he's very easy to talk to in the clubhouse. Shasky, what grade would you give for Ryan Walker right now? Man, Ryan Walker's been excellent. Yeah. Um, Ryan Walker's been excellent. B B minus. I mean, he's been random. He's been good in in the bullpen. He's been good as an opener. I really like him. Yeah, I would. I think I might kind of give him a B plus A minus just because he's been incredibly solid. The the for me, what excites me the most about him is just he's so deceptive. He's so hard to hit against. The the delivery, the the way he throws the ball, the way he's kind of slings it around his body. It's just. I would hate to have to hit against that. No, like, yes. Not just how he stands on the mound. Just everything about him is weird. And you know what he I reminds love me of? it. He reminds me of your older cousin trying to strike you out and strike outs against the garage door. You know what I mean? Like just <laughs> There's messing with you. Junk ball stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just totally messing with you and screwing with you. And you don't know whether he's going to hit you in the ribs or throw it right down the pipe. Yeah. No, it cuts a couple numbers on on Walker. He's got a 189 yeah. ERA so far. He's stranded 86% of base runners, though. I mean, yeah. that's what you want out of a reliever. He has been slotted into that opener role. He seems it's kind of growing on him a little bit. We'll see just kind of how that goes. Yeah. Kapler said that the plan is Ryan Walker for the time being. And, uh, you know, he hasn't, he's had kind of one rough st- one outing already, but that's going to happen. But I am very impressed what you're seeing from Ryan Walker. And for a team that's very bullpen centric right now, having a guy like him has been very huge. And then uh, Shaskin must save probably the most exciting one for last. Brett Wisely. No, I'm just kidding. Luis Matos. I want, again, it's only been a couple weeks so far. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I don't want to say incomplete because that seems no fun. But yeah, grade Luis Matos's uh, first couple weeks in baseball. He's been an A. I mean, we're talking about our first outfield prospect at 21 years old, second youngest everyday player in the game right now. Uh, how could anyone say it's other than an A right now? Yeah. He looks the part. Yes, the bat will come around, but the plate discipline's amazing. Defensively, he's an A++ guy. Arm, range, speed, glove, you name it, speed on the base pass. Dude, he's been awesome. And One thing swag. I... And one thing I'd really like that we saw him on uh, Saturday, he gets picked off early in the game. Yes. When you're a rookie, you get picked off. You have that long walk back to the dugout. It's so easy to beat yourself up yep. over it and be like, oh, man, I screwed that one up. Comes back in his, in his next at bat and, you know, hits his first career home run. You know, to be able to bounce back like that. And yes. again, that was another where Kapler kind of praised him for that one. 21 years old and to be able to kind of shake things off that quickly that's a great sign of maturity. I am yep. very excited to see what Matos does. Uh, I don't think he's going to be like a 40 home run guy, but no. if he could be like a 25 home run, three home, 300 hitter. Yeah. Sign me the heck up for that. So yeah, this is just, this is such an incredibly fun crop of young guys. And what's even crazier Shasky is there's so many more coming. Yeah. And so just an incredibly fun time to be a Giants fan right now, seeing these young guys come up and seeing how they're all performing at such a great level. So before we get out of here, Shasky, uh, 
We are recording this on Monday, June 26th. A lot of you guys will probably be listening to this podcast on Tuesday, the 27th, when the Giants are north of the border, taking on the Toronto Blue Jays. And uh, we're uh, getting a a Kevin Gosman reunion. And I don't know if there's any other notable reunions to talk about this week. (laughs) But uh, I always enjoy to say his name. Oh, what, Kevin Gosman? Come on, man. (laughs) Anyway, um, that will do it for us here on the uh, episode 63 of the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Barry Bonds' 63rd home run was at Coors Field in 2001. Uh, Be sure to catch us on the next episode when, uh, oh, man, who knows what could happen in this series. Maybe Uh, Brandon uh, Belt hits a home run this week. I am, you know what, since you said the name, I'm saying it. If Brandon Belt hits a walk-off home run against the Giants this week, I am going to be so incredibly happy about it. Oh, I want shut all the, up. I want the belt haters to just shut take up. that one and oh. wear it. So Sam Lemon, Joe Shasky, Giants taking on the fighting Brandon Belts this week. We will catch you on the next one. <laughs>